Coming up on Podcast 1527, we look at the Chinese competitors launching rivals to Tesla's Model 3 and Model S on home soil. Stick around. I'll tell you what I know. Also on the show today, we have a look at some Powerwall action from Tesla. More charge points going in, this time to train areas in the UK. And why electric vehicles could be as cheap as combustion vehicles in Australia with just a couple of small tweaks. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you're listening in the world. Welcome to EV News Daily, your trusted source of EV information for Sunday, 10th of July. My name is Martin Lee, and I go through every EV story, so you don't have to. We'll start with news. Those two cars that I mentioned at the beginning of the show, those headlines, those two Chinese competitors looking to take on Tesla on Chinese soil. And we'll start with, firstly, the Model 3 competitor. BYD are launching the BYD Seal. And that's going to be out on July 18th. Pre-orders began back in May, though. May 20th, they began. About 31, 32,000 US dollars equivalent. Always really difficult to do that conversion from currency to currency because of not only the conversion rates, but also different incentives around the world as well. But that's the kind of vehicle. So a Model 3 competitor for about 30 grand equivalent. And it got 22,000 pre-orders in the first seven hours. Uh, Citing unnamed BYD sources. Local media outlets in China saying today the seal goes on sale on July 18th. Now CNEV Post writes, the BYD seal is the second model in the company's Ocean series after the Dolphin and it's the first to use their cell-to-body technology. That allows the battery to be integrated into the body of the vehicle. The standard range version of the seal has a 150 kilowatt rear motor Long range uses a 230 kilowatt rear motor. The four-wheel drive performance version has a total output of 390 kilowatts. We'll do 0 to 62 miles an hour in 3.8 seconds. It's a genuine Model 3 competitor. The SEAL is the most important model in BYD's history. Uh, If you look at Model 3 sales in China, they expect the BYD SEAL to have a steady monthly sales rate of around 30,000 vehicles, and that is serious, serious numbers. And seriously taking on the Model 3 made at Tesla's Shanghai Gigafactory for two-thirds of the price of that, uh, maybe even less in some cases. All the range, all the performance, really nice styling, actually. You know, you can think of the Model 3 and that styling. It's not a million miles away, but it's definitely going head to head. And we'll be watching that one really, really closely to see if Chinese buyers like both, whether it cannibalizes the Model 3 market, whether it expands the market, because you know it doesn't always have to cannibalize Model 3. It could be a rising tide floating all boats. Um, or it could be that the seal isn't appealing to Chinese buyers and they want that kind of exclusivity that comes with buying Tesla and making that stretch to a more expensive model. We'll wait and see. And talking of more expensive models, if that is going to be the Model 3 competitor in China, what about Xpeng's P7? Motor Trend got behind the wheel of the Xpeng P7. This is China's Model S, and it's one of three EVs they now have on sale in China, all built on their own platform. The P7 is already being marketed in Norway, and Xpeng plans to launch the sedan in Sweden, Denmark, Netherlands in the second quarter 
of next year. Wouldn't be surprised if Germany um, is soon as well. The P7 is built on their own dedicated EV architecture, and it's known internally as Edward, which I think is a nice name. Like some platforms are called MEB, and this one's called Edward. Which is nice. Actually, co-developed by Porsche. Isn't that interesting? Um, Motor Trend right. It's a conventional skateboard design with multi-link suspension front and rear and an 80 kilowatt hour battery pack. Xpung says the range is 329 miles on WLTP for the rear-wheel drive long-range version. 0-60 in less than 7 seconds. High-performance version, the four-wheel drive version, four, just over 4 seconds for 0-60. The Xpung P7 is one of the most impressive new cars we've driven this year, says Motor Trend. In Norway, the high-performance version again costs about two-thirds of the price of a Model S. So, if you're looking to make a saving, the kind of dollar conversion rates are just over $50,000, about $53,000 for the Xpeng P7 versus a lot more money for the Tesla Model S. And if you don't, uh, if you aren't shopping brands or you're shopping with value in mind as well. And the thing is, these new competitors can enter the market because EV powertrains give you so many advantages that you don't have to spend a lot of money overcoming to develop your own engine. So EV powertrains are inherently smooth, whereas developing your own combustion engine to be a smooth modern engine is fabulously expensive. EV powertrains are quiet. And again, making combustion cars quiet. And if you're playing in that sector, that luxury or at least premium segment and you're up against bmw mercedes those traditional names in that in that area you have to spend so much money making your cars refined and quiet well ev powertrains are naturally that and although many of these barges waft along most of the time they're also really quick guess what ev powertrains deliver plenty of torque when you want them so you can enter a segment like this as a newbie as a newcomer as a startup and have some success and so as motor trends say there's no pesky calibration issues in terms of drivability or meeting emissions and fuel economy targets for these startup companies making a car that is instantly competitive with a mainstream rival has never been easier it's a really interesting point actually we don't talk about that probably enough how many of these new entrants to the market have by going electric powertrain so many inherent advantages all right let's stay with tesla now and this time we'll talk model y we've mentioned three and the s now let's go to y um that's the best-selling suv in china in june tesla regained its dominance in the world's largest ev market last month in june sales surged back for the model y after being affected by the covid19 lockdown in shanghai in april and may the china passenger car association the cpca reporting model y sales of 52,150 for the month of june it's a five-fold increase on the same month a year ago, uh, the Driven.io website says the Model Y blew away all of its SUV competition like the BYD Song. And looking at the first six months of the year in China, SUV sales were led, though, by the BYD Song. 162,000 units sold, Model Y 133,000 because throughout that lockdown at Giga Shanghai, because BYD is a more kind of integrated company, I would say they have it's a larger operation, more divisions that do their own chips and semiconductors, and they were able to get through the lockdowns uh, with more production running than Tesla, which not only had to shut their factory but eventually moved their workers in to sleep there, but then they couldn't get the parts supplied from there 
the supply chains, whereas BYD have a bit more of that in-house, and that probably explains um, the difference a little bit. And staying with Tesla as well today, um, let's talk about their Powerwall. Tesla wants Powerwall owners in Texas to show what could be done if only the rules were different. Now, it seems like five minutes ago that the news, it was worldwide news, wasn't it, about the Texas power grid not being able to cope. And I'm sure it was massive new US news, but for my US listeners, just to reassure you, you know, we are, not to have too many stereotypes here, but I know, you know, Americans are very much into their domestic news outside of the US. There is probably a little more interest in international news, as well as our own domestic matters as well. I'm being as diplomatic as I can there and being as polite as I can. I know some, let's just say it, some people are very insular and don't care what's happening outside of the US. Other people do. Um, and I'm sure all sorts of those listen to this podcast. Um, and it matters not, but I'm saying that it, we took a great interest in what was happening in Texas. And it seemed like five minutes ago, but I guess it was probably a couple of years ago, wasn't it? Or two and a half years since that deadly winter storm passed through Texas. The Electric Reliability Council of Texas, ERCOT, E-R-C-O-T. They've been under scrutiny since then from households across Texas. Now, ERCOT at the moment doesn't allow batteries. They, it's part of their the rules they've got in place. They don't allow batteries to send power to the grid unless it has extra energy not being used by the owner. Well, Tesla are asking ERCOT for a rule change. And what they want is for Powerwall customers in Texas to be able to be part of the solution, like it is in California that I told you about recently. According to Tesla's website, they won't leave Powerwall owners with less than 20% use for their homes, but Tesla's asking Powerwall owners to show ERCOT that a virtual power plant in the state of Texas, or a Powerwall fleet, if you want to think of it like that, will help in extreme cases of extreme heat, when everyone's got their air conditioning on, and extreme cold as well, a bit like during the winter storm, or the extra demand from the Texas summer heat. Now, I found that story on Spectrum Local News, Spectrum One, uh, localnews.com, and I thought it was really interesting that the rules don't allow it at the minute, but Tesla are saying, look, let us just prove it. We have a bunch of Powerwall owners in the state. Let us export, even if they're not using all of that self-generation, let us export when you need it and we will we will help. And that's what's happening in California, $2 per kilowatt hour paid to those homeowners, those Powerwall owners, when the grid absolutely needs a bit of extra juice injected into it. Really, really interesting. Uh, and I hope that they get taken up on that because the more things like this happen, the more trials, the more we see it happening, not just in the US, but around the world as well, uh, the more it shows people that batteries are completely the solution to uh, many of the problems we have. I've not, you know, I've, I can't believe I've still not made a full podcast episode our weekend special, anything about the Solar Edge battery that we've had for a couple of months now. I'm just getting my head around. We've had our problems. Solar Edge support have been poor, I think, um, at least by the standards that I expect in terms of waiting weeks to get a reply. And then when I get a reply being not satisfactory, in my opinion. But the technology, I think, is okay. Um, if I have my time again, will I get a power wall? I don't know. I do like the Solar Edge battery, but that during the summer that we're having, because it can take more power because it, it takes direct dc from the panels it sits on the dc side so even though i've only got a 3.68 kilowatt inverter the battery can take a lot more so i might be using 3.6 for the house or the air conditioning's on or whatever uh, and then that 
excess that would just be clipped or wasted is then going into the battery. And and our average bill is about 25 pence a day at the moment. I was talking to one of my neighbours, and he's budgeting six to seven pounds a day at the moment for running his house. You know, And, and okay, they're retired and we're a, a younger family, but still... Um, it's really interesting. Those two households, two houses next door to each other, and he's budgeting maybe seven pounds a day for both gas and electricity, for heating hot water and and running his house, and 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 when we're spending twenty five pence now. Yes, we've got solar, but the battery has changed everything. Having that buffer, it's only a ten kilowatt hour battery, but having that buffer has changed everything. We have no more peak. We have no more peak load. Um, we're on cheap rate from nine thirty p.m. So if we if we need to fill up the car, um, we turn off the battery at the minute manually, as another bugbear of mine, SolarEdge, don't allow the user to do that. You have to get your installer to to change the schedule, which is madness. That's my biggest frustration. It's utter madness. Um, I, I, you can't bug your installer day in, day out, being like, we want to charge that anyway. Um, so I, feel, I just go outside and turn it off in the garage. And, <laughs> um, and then we charge the car. Otherwise, it would pull from the battery because it, 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 it's seen as load, if you like. And so the battery has changed everything for us. But the problem is it was £8,000. And so who's got that money, the average person, to spend, let alone solar? So, you know, I, I don't even know what the full bill was with solar and battery. Maybe 15 over the last two years. It's, it's, it was a project we saved up for for years. Massive ambition of ours. We finally achieved it. We're very, very grateful that we were able to do that. But that was our, you know, our priority over holidays, over home improvements, over painting and decorating, over everything. Just saving up because uh, we wanted to try and get uh, as energy independent as possible with our two EVs. But either way, um, yeah, uh, Texas, please change the rules. Batteries change everything. Home batteries change everything. But, holy moly, are they expensive right now. Coming up on the podcast soon, we'll talk about chargers going into train stations and why EVs could be as cheap as combustion cars down under with a couple of small tax changes. Stick around those stories. They're on the way. Now, in the UK, Network Rail, they're the owners and operators of the rail network in the UK. Uh, they've installed over 450 EV charging points at car parks and railway stations. The company wants to equip 10% of their car parking spaces at their railway stations by March 2024. They just put 160 charges into Reading, 111 into Manchester, 84 into Edinburgh, 56 in Leeds, and 41 in Welland. Um, they, the company that's delivered them is called Complio or Compleo. Haven't heard of them before, uh, but they've got green parking bays. Uh, they can pay via the app, and hopefully, I don't know the charge. I can't find out, but the charge speed of these is reasonable in terms of being low. If that makes sense, because you, often you get on the train at seven in the morning, you're at work all day. You don't want rapid chargers. You barely want sevens, in fairness. I mean, if you've got a big battery, then seven kilowatt is kind of the minimum. But I'd put a bank of 3.6 kilowatt chargers in at train stations on, for the commuters that arrive at six, seven in the morning and get home at six, seven, <laughs> you know, at night. Um, that I would prefer that and load balance a bunch of slow chargers. But hey, either way, if they're sevens, it's perfect. Now in Australia, how could EVs become as cheap as combustion cars? Well, according to this very in-depth study that's been done by tax experts, a couple of small changes could really help things. We all know that EV uptake in Australia has lagged because of the previous 
political administration. But tax experts say they have a silver bullet solution. And this never exists. But if the government would listen, they could drive sales and increase the supply of cheap second-hand EVs. The tax experts from Monash and Griffith Universities uh, created a report which describes the situation at the moment in Australia. Business fleets, so government and company vehicles, business fleets account for 40% in Australia. 4-0, of light vehicle sales. Of the 600,000 passenger vehicles sold to business fleets in 2020, 600,000 vehicles, 48 were electric vehicles, which is crazy, right? In, in business fleets. If the business could claim the cost of the EV as a tax deduction, now in Australia they call it the instant asset write-off, but you might call it some form of capital write-off or first-year gains, anything like that. But um, if you can use, if you can deduct from your taxable profits the cost of the EV as an asset, it would save, they say, $11,000 on average, with the addition of purchase incentives from state level and territory level, with rebates as well on registration, the gap between EVs and combustion cars for the equivalent one vanishes. Price parity. In 2021, we saw Norway make EVs exempt from the GST, their sale uh, equivalent of GST. Uh, and now in Norway, it is 25% sales tax. Um, so of if you look at Australia, the job to do is really small, even though it sounds huge. Of the 470,000 organisations in Australia that have a fleet of more than two cars, governments and uh, departments or businesses, 470,000 organisations have a fleet of more than two cars. A thousand of those have big fleets of 250 or more. And that's where you can do so much of the gains is by literally having one-on-one conversations with those 1,000 Aussie companies who have massive fleets. They write, what can we do to get all of your fleets EV? And then you get most of the way there. And in my experience, you do the hard yards, everything else follows. Hey, let's talk about uh, government charging for funding in the UK. Simon Tate is the sales director of MER, M-E-R, in the UK. He says that reliable and affordable charging infrastructure is key to the transition. And in the UK, there are some uh, incentives that people might not know about. He talks uh, about the workplace charging scheme for this article for transport and energy. That provides support towards adding workplace chargers for £350 per charging socket, up to £14,000 for an installation. Got to be a business or a charity or a public sector and have off-street parking to apply for the WCS. And you can't use it for repairs, you've got to use it for installation. And as of the beginning of April this year, they have funded 26,000 sockets in workplaces. Also, as of April this year, there's a new thing called the EV Infrastructure Grant, and that is for fleets and staff as well, aimed at small businesses, designed to help organisations plan for the future. You get £850 for each parking space for your employees if you put a charge point in, and you get £500 also for the supporting electrical work, and then £350 for the actual EV charger itself, up to £15,000 per grant application. So again, if you're a business in the UK listening to this podcast, a couple of reminders about some some free, so to speak, free 
money out there. Right, that's your podcast for the end of your weekend. Question of the week with eMobilityNorway.com. Uh, it's taking a little break for now, but it will return. Uh, thank you very much to our premium partners, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Brad Crosby, Porsche of the Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii, Derek Riley from the EV Review Island YouTube channel, also Richard at rsev.co.uk for buying and selling EVs in the UK. Hi to a lock Octopus Electric Juice. I love this bit of Octopus. They make public charging simple. They have one card, they have one map, they have one app, they bring all the other charging networks together under their umbrella, and it's a brilliant idea. And milbrookcottages.co.uk. Get yourself booked in there. Check out their website. Choose your cottage. Choose your holiday dates. And I can highly recommend it because we've done it ourselves. Thanks for listening. I'll see you tomorrow for a brand new week. And remember, there's no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.